Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoon. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I am. I'm just sitting around living the in-between. As you know, if you've been tuning into the podcast for a while, I am definitely in an in-between chapter of life. Uh, recently having moved up to Steamboat Springs, Colorado from where I lived in Boulder for 25 years. And I'm not really working yet and our family's still acclimating and there's a pandemic and <laughs> we're just sinking into it. And it hit me the other day. So one of the things that I've been experimenting with is meditation. Yeah, you can add that to my list of crazy vegan, <laughs> sober meditator. How bad do you want to hang out with me now? <laughs> but um, my friend Colleen Cannon, who's been on the show before, one of my great guides and mentors, she said, Nicole, we're doing through Women's Quest, we're doing this 21-day free meditation. We follow Deepak. Um, it's awesome. It's free. I think it would be good for your nervous system. And I thought, you know what? This is the time. Why not give my nervous system a little rest here and, and calm it down a little bit and explore? And what's really cool is that I am finding a little bit of growth through this new medium. And one of the things that it is doing is encouraging me to open up, to open myself to the things that I need. And that what we don't necessarily realize is that, A, we don't often think about the things we need. We just go on through our life every day. And B, we don't actually open up and ask ourselves to literally open up to the things we need. And so the other day in the meditation, in the intro, it's like, so what do you need? Do you need money? Do you need love? Do you need friends? Like throws a bunch of things out there. And the word, there were two words that hit me. I need connection and I think I finally am starting to need direction. So this is cool. This is interesting. And this is an idea I'm starting to open up to and toy around with because obviously my brain wouldn't have created and thrown that word out to myself if it wasn't time for me to start getting some direction going. Now, as you know, I'm not pushing anything and there are certain days like today where I've done nothing all day and it's 2.30 in the afternoon. I literally have just been eating and like <laughs> I don't even know what I did um, and I'm okay with that. But in the back of my mind, direction might be coming. So it's interesting. I recently did a Facebook post and shared an interview that my husband Tim did for one of his old sponsors, Shimano. Um, they were sort of catching up with, you know, the where are they now kind of post. <laughs> and they're like, so whatever happened to Tim DeBoom? Well, it's a really cool, it's a really cool interview because basically he says, 
it took me a long time and I'm still in this period of transition, but I've finally come to peace with myself through this process. And that at the end of the day is pure beauty. When you can find peace in yourself and hopefully just maybe you can find some little tips or tricks or, you know, a deeper understanding of what gives you that peace. And so I thought that was really cool. And I just wanted to share that. And I encourage you to head over to, I think this was on my personal Facebook page. There's a couple of Nicole DeBoom accounts out there. And uh, the people who wrote comments, it was really eye-opening because we also go about our lives not realizing that the things we say may have an effect, a positive effect, hopefully, on um, people who hear it. And there are many people out there who were profoundly affected by certain things that Tim shared with them that, you know, he didn't realize that it was such an important conversation. So I want you guys to hold this close and in your hearts. And I think it's something, it's a good um, segue into today's episode because our guest, Kara Burns, is the kind of person who has profound effects on people, whether she knows it or not. So let me get into this. Kara, my awesome and now old friend Kara Burns has been on the show before. In September of 2016, I featured her story in episode 24. It was called From Prison to 26.2. And it quickly became my highest listened episode to that point. And it continues to be a very frequently listened episode, even though it was, geez, four years ago. Um, We actually followed it up immediately with the next episode, episode 25, which was titled Forgiving Yourself. Because during our conversation, I had was asking Kara about her story, which includes drug addiction, um, incarceration, and this little thing that she mentioned, which was losing her daughter. And I was too, I don't know, chicken to ask her what that meant because it was a really emotional conversation. And so we finished the episode and I called her the next day and I was like, it feels unfinished. Can we do another one? We've got to talk about your daughter. People are going to think she died. Like what happened? So episode 24 and 25 are the Kara Burns show and they are powerful. And these are four years ago. Her story was raw, real, and powerful. So what happened then is that she, she was kind of in the mission to transform her life. And she entered what I would probably call her striving years, right? So two years later in October of 2018, we did episode 109, it was sort of catching up. We talked about her progress and she was riding this wave of momentum and she had discovered her absolutely beautiful and powerful gifts for speaking, for inspiring, for leading. Um, her addiction was under control. Her relationship with her daughter was blossoming and people were taking notice of Kara Burns. A year later, in June of 2019, okay, this is important, just over a year ago, year and a half ago, 
I invited Kara to deliver the final keynote speech at our Skirt Sports Ambassador Retreat with roughly 300 women in the audience. And at the final moment, she ended up doing a speech that was different than the one she originally presented to me. And it was about the concept of slipping. And I, I have my fingers doing the quote thing. You know, she's like, it's, it's a talk about slipping or a falling off the wagon. And it was that she had had a drink and she was grappling with, that, with what that meant for her. And she didn't want it to define her and bring it down. So her message was like, it was just a slip and I'm human and that's okay. But let me tell you that I'll never forget when I first met her, she told me, I will never be able to have a drink again. If I do, it will lead me down the path to doing meth. It may not be immediate. It could be months later or a year later, but it will happen. If I have a drink, I will slip back and become a meth addict again. She told me this. So I wondered after the retreat what that really meant and what this what was going to happen here because in my heart I felt like it it wasn't done and unfortunately it wasn't done because a month after she gave the speech at the retreat Kara was being wheeled through the Denver airport on her way to rehab after a six-day meth binge that literally ravaged her body and mind so much that she couldn't even walk to the plane. Yes. Whew. So you can see why we have her on the show again a fourth time. It's been over a year since she got help, since she left rehab and regained her sobriety, the lessons she's learned from this year of self-growth are important. That's what she titled it, the year of self-growth. <laughs> self-growth. Um, really, the lessons transcend her personal situation. I believe that even though most people listening are not meth addicts, maybe many of you have suffered from different addictions, um, but no matter what, I think you'll benefit from hearing these lessons. Whew, you can only gain this kind of insight when you go through the tough stuff like Kara did. And she wrapped it with um, a recent unveiling of a TEDx talk that she delivered, uh, geez, only about a month ago in Denver. And it was called Own Your Unapologetic Realness. So we've got links in the show notes. She's also become certified as a coach in a practice called NLP, which stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And it's all about how you change the voice in your own head so you can stop the negative thought cycles. Um, she's super awesome. She is, her, her ego is, uh, let's just say, doesn't live in the same place that it used to anymore. She's truly and deeply and genuinely wants to help other people gain happiness and confidence, and she is willing to give of herself to do that. So on that note, let's, uh, let's welcome Kara Burns for a fourth beautiful conversation on the show. Can you hear me? 
I can. Did it work? Hey, there you are. Awesome. Let's hit it. Let's roll. This is your fourth appearance on the show. Did you know that? You know, uh, I've been texting with Kathleen this morning and Kathleen said, how many times have you been on the show? <laughs> um, yeah. So I didn't know it was four, but I do now. Well, I think it's four, but maybe it was, maybe this is your third, but we also did that really cool fueled by positivity talk at skirt. I don't know who knows, but, um, you know, Kathleen, she's a rock star. She's one of our big listeners and supporters. She's been on her own journey of awesome. Yes, she has. Yes, I mean, we, we need strong women surrounding us to get through all the shit that gets thrown at us in this life. Uh, hands down. Absolutely. And a uh, little known fact, she, <clears throat> Kathleen supports a group home that I volunteer for. And she sends uh, gift cards every month so that these girls have birthday gifts. And uh, she's sending uh, several things uh, for them to have a nice Christmas. Like Kathleen's really, really cool. All right, Kathleen, sure. Sugar, sugar, like sure. sugar. She's like our sugar mama. She she, is. Uh, she's a rock star. We're just giving you a little shout out, lady. Um, you know, the reason that you've been on the show a lot of times is that life is not boring for Kara Burns. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Uh, no. Yes, I would hands down agree with you on that. It's been I mean, always a story. You know, your story is in incredible. Um, from the minute I met you in Running Start when you were sitting on the warehouse floor of skirt sports, like looking around, wondering if you should run out of the room or continue this running program and actually aim to run your first 5k. Um, I just, I knew there was something special about you. I don't know. Maybe we should give people a little, uh, let's do a refresher on the roller coaster ride that has been Kara Burns. Let's do it. All right. So let's take them back maybe to uh, just before I met you on the floor of skirt sports. Like, why did you end up applying for the running start program? What had been going on in your life that brought you to a place where you needed help? You needed a new direction. You needed a new focus. I got involved with the running start program uh, because I wanted to learn how to run distances. It was something that I wanted, but I couldn't get, I couldn't acquire. When I was incarcerated, I could run, um, you know, up to several miles, but I just couldn't maintain it or do it on my own. And, and now knowing what I know now, you know, I just didn't know what I didn't know then. So, you know, it, it, I needed a mentor and I needed someone who could explain to me, you know, this is, you know, correct form and this is the kind of shoes, right? And all those kinds of things. But more importantly than that, my running motivator believed in me before I could believe in myself. And in that particular time in my life, I really, really needed that. I had only been out of incarceration for, um, gosh, a little over a year when I got involved with the Running Start program. And as you mentioned, Nicole, you know, we're sitting on the floor, uh, you know, of, of the, old, the old skirt sports building and I'm looking at everybody and, you know, I don't have on workout clothes. I couldn't even, you know, barely afford to pay my rent at the time. And so there were a lot of those things that were just completely out of reach for me at the time financially. And it made me feel very insecure and like I didn't fit in. 
you know, because I don't look like anybody else. Um, I, I, and I have this story that in my head, you know, is saying that I'm different and I'm not good enough. That's the, that's what that, you know, boils down to is my, my head was telling me I'm not good enough. Um, and so that was my first experience with skirt sports, with you, with running, with the group and all of that. And I can say that I got very involved very quickly. It was, um, it was like peanut butter and jelly. I was like, yeah, I like this. Let's do it. And just continued on with the running star group, which uh, managed to become a huge part of my, my soul and my story. You mentioned incarceration a couple of times. What was it that you were incarcerated for? I was incarcerated for conspiracy to distribute methamphetamine which sounds as dramatic as it was. <laughs> um, that happened in 2011 after I had been in and out of jail and struggled with meth addiction for almost 20 years. So here's a really funny story because none of this is funny, but you know, looking back, we have to find humor in our lives. Um, so I have recently been more open with my own daughter about my alcohol journey and how I've been sober for 14 years and I quit drinking, you know, little kids ask like, why I don't, you know, they don't understand. So you have to figure out how to explain things like addictions to an eight year old mind. <laughs> and, you know, I had told her, well, dad can, dad has a beer, but I sometimes have a fake beer, you know, like a non-alcoholic beer or whatever. And it's because when I drink, I, it makes me want to drink more and more and more, you know, something like that. And I use the word addiction. So today I told her, Hey, I'm going to be interviewing my friend, Kara Burns. She's the most inspiring woman. She's so awesome. Wilder, you would love her. And she has such a story. She inspires so many people because she has an addiction and she works really hard on overcoming it. And she's even been to prison. And Wilder said, wow, for what? And I said, for selling drugs. And she said, well, did you buy drugs from her? Because, you know, <laughs> your addiction and everything. <laughs> I was dying. I was like, thank God, Karen, and I didn't know each other then. That could have been, that could have been dangerous. Um, isn't that funny? But what I, what I love about it and what's kind of striking me right now is she asks questions like that with no judgment, with acceptance and through the lens that she loves me and I'm honest with her and she's honest with me. You are able to share this part of your story today, you know, in a way that feels really open and real and connecting, you know, with people. So how long did it take you to be able to put yourself in a position where you can say out loud, like I'm an addict. You can say out loud, I am worthy enough to be able to talk about this, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so Nicole, I realized quickly after I was released from incarceration that I was stigmatized and judged and it was hard and it was very embarrassing. And I carried a lot of shame over living in a halfway house and having the background that I had and spending time in prison. And most of all, over things with my daughter, using drugs while I was pregnant with her, uh, losing her, right? All of those things I carried shame over. And I realized very quickly that if I just told people immediately um, and was loud, and I'm gonna use the word loud and proud. If I was loud and proud about it, 
it somehow uh, lessened the, the, the pain. So that became my mask. That became my mask over, you know, years and years and years, this loud and proud mask that I wore of my background. So I didn't have any issues sharing my story or calling myself an addict. Um, it just was what it was. The challenge there was that I was still bleeding. So it was a mask, meaning you were still covering something up. You weren't, you weren't all in like, or you're still carrying shame. Like, why was it a mask? It was a mask because I was still carrying shame and I used it as a way to, uh, to get through it. I used yeah. it as a way to get through it. Well, and you said you were still bleeding, like, meaning you hadn't all the way healed. Do you ever fully heal? My answer to that is yes. My answer to that, that is yes. With enough time and with enough, um, in my situation, I can only speak of my situation with enough time and with enough love and effort. The answer is yes. I have healed from the scars of my past, but I've had to go through a process to get there. I and what it, let's talk about that process. Yeah. Cause that's, what's going to lead us to today. And some of the things that have transpired more recently, you know, yeah. this is all your journey sister and whatever you share is helping somebody else on the other side, who is at some part of this similar journey herself or himself. You know, I think <laughs> as I was reflecting on getting ready for this podcast, I flashed back to speaking at the skirt event uh, a year and a half ago and sharing, and that's when I relapsed and, and sharing, you know, to 200 women, how this relapse that I had was not a relapse. It was just a slip. And I had all of this information about it and, and felt very confident about it. And I didn't drink again for about three weeks after that I gave that talk for skirt sports. And that's as far as my resolve made it, my personal resolve made it. And then I drank again about three weeks later. And I can say that what we think is the worst thing that could happen very well might be the best thing. In my world, relapse was the worst thing that could have happened. Nothing could have been worse for me other than my daughter being harmed than relapse. And I was wrong about that. It ended up being exactly what I needed to, to start again. I needed the opportunity to begin again. And what, what that has given me is beyond priceless in gifts. And at the top of that list is the ability to heal. You know, you just asked me a myriad of questions. Well, do we really heal? And through working I, a 12-step program, I have healed. I have healed. Uh, I, I went into a rehab facility. This is a funny story, so I'll tell it. Uh, I relapsed on alcohol and a, a few short weeks after that relapsed on meth. So it just happened. Boom, 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 very, very quickly. And I was out for six days. 
um, using meth, didn't sleep, didn't eat. I don't know any way different. I am hyper-focused on whatever I'm doing at the time. And if it's positive, it's positive. And if it's negative, it's negative, right? So in this story, it's negative. So I was out for six days and I had the frame of mind or the presence of mind to know that it was going to get bad and it was going to get bad quickly. And I had a visit with my daughter who was in a treatment facility uh, that Monday and it was Friday night. And that is what pushed me to reach out to two of my friends and say, Hey, I've, I've relapsed on drugs. I need help. I need a place to stay. My friends lovingly stole my insurance card out of my purse and said, we really think that you need to go to rehab and here's this place. Here's all the information. It's all set up and ready to go. And me, I was still an addict brain, right? So my addiction, my disease tells me I don't have a problem. So I'm still in that frame of mind, still sick in that capacity. And I was like, I don't need to go to rehab. I'm fine. I've come off of meth a hundred times in jail. I've got this. And they pushed and pushed. And I went to a third friend of mine and I said, so-and-so and so-and-so is telling me that I, sh- I need to go to rehab. What do you think about that? And she goes, you need to go to fucking rehab. <laughs> <laughs> we all need a friend like that. <laughs> I was so hyper-focused. I was submitting for TEDx Cherry Creek Women 2019. I had spent months on my application and I had relapsed on drugs and I was so focused on getting that application in and you know and I'm telling my friend but I've got these things going on and these women are saying I need to go to rehab and she's like you need to go to rehab I was in rehab within 12 hours on a plane to California um a part of this this story that I just skipped over that's really important and I and uh and I have a picture of actually is uh, when my friends took me to the airport. Um, the picture of my friend and she's pushing me in a wheelchair and she's pushing me in a wheelchair because I can't walk to my gate. Nicole, I had, um, I had ravaged my body within six days to where I couldn't even walk to my gate. So a few weeks prior to that, I was training for the New York city marathon and couldn't even walk to my gate. This is so insane, Kara, because a few weeks before that, you were speaking at the Skirt Sports Ambassador Retreat and you were headlining, you were the final keynote speaker to hundreds of women. And you did a talk about slipping. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting because you've mentioned addict brain. And at that time, you hadn't relapsed all the way to meth. But one thing I remember you telling me shortly after I met you many, many years ago now was, Nicole, I can't even have another drink because if I have a drink, it's going to turn into meth one day. And I've got my own addiction issues, but I almost couldn't put my head there. I'm like, how does one drink turn into meth? Like, I remember in our very first interview, I was like, so Kara, how does one begin using meth? <laughs> it's so funny because it, 
it seems like the way you say it, like, oh, it just went from this to this. And I know that there are so many steps, you know, that lead up to that thing that then takes a hold of your mind and body. Um, but the whole journey here is what what we're kind of talking about is you knew this, right? You knew this. You knew that you couldn't have just one drink, but you did one night. And so what... For the people listening, some people really need to hear this right now. What was it in your brain that gave you permission after many years sober to have that drink, even though you knew that it would very likely lead to somewhere dark? In addiction world, Nicole, they call it prelapsing. And it's whatever is taking you down that road of not making healthy choices. So my my road began about nine months prior to that. So I took a job working from home and that was not good for me. Not good at all for me. I also was not making uh, great choices in my relationships, which was, it, it was several things that added, stacked on top of each other, right? All through my years, of being released from prison. I had eight and a half years clean and sober all through those years. I was clean and sober, Nicole, but I didn't have emotional sobriety. I struggled significantly with my relationships because, um, cause I didn't have that, that support on the other, other side. I did go through rehab when I was in federal prison. However, once I was released and had been through all that programming, I was like, Oh, I'm good. I've got this. Um, I, again, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I had all kinds of opinions about 12-step people. I thought that they were um, followers and that they needed a group to belong to. I believed that, you know, I had all these beliefs that they were a cult. Um, you know, I had made up in my head what, what my beliefs are and limiting beliefs. And it wasn't until I hit this relapse and I was desperate on my knees and forced to go to 12-step meetings. So I'm in this rehab in California and they forced us to go to these 12-step meetings and I would not have gone had I not been forced to go because remember, I knew everything, right? I know everything about everything. Um, so thank God I was forced to go to these meetings and by the time I came home from Denver, still didn't love AA at all, or excuse me, 12-step meetings. Um, still, didn't, still didn't love it, but I knew that it was my ticket because what I had done before didn't work. And I saw all these people who seemed to be very emotionally sober. Right. Um, and I was like, well, you know, I don't have, I can't, it, it's not going to hurt me to go pursue that. So I got heavily rooted into 12 step meetings when I got home to Denver and that's so, where I go ahead. So I got a call from you at some point shortly after that. And you, you shared just basically like an apology. And I was like, I wonder if that's part of the 12 step process. And I, you were, you said, I know you gave me an opportunity, you know, and I feel like I didn't use it properly or something, you know, it was, a, it, it was very heartfelt and you're such a good friend. And I, it pained me to even hear that from you, but I understood too, that you need to, get yourself in a place where you feel right by the people you care about too, right? Is that part of the process? It's been part of the process, yes. Um, making amends for 
the harm that I've done and the pain that I caused. Uh, that was part of my, it's part of the 12 step process. And I dug up things throughout my addiction and made amends with people that was very, very hard, very, very hard, but I did it. I did it because they told me to do it. Um, did you feel like it was genuine? You know, authentic is an important word for you right now. Authentic is always an important world word in my world. And it was very genuine and authentic and hard. It was so hard, but so important to the process. Did, um, did the people that you were connecting with through this process appreciate or reciprocate? Were they open to you? Were you met? Did you feel better after the conversations? Throughout my addiction, I did a lot of things that I wasn't proud of to a next level degree. Many of those people did not get back to me. Uh, many of those people allowed me to make the amend, but then that was it. And then one person allowed me to make the amend and then has, um, was, has just, I guess, supported, been very kind and loving. Um, I honor and love all of it, you know, um, just the opportunity to make things right is what I, is the goal. Um, you know, I can't go back and change that stuff. I can't, but I can make amends for it and not do it again. Um, and there's people that I hurt that it, it, it didn't, it didn't turn out roses and sunshine. That's life, right? That's life. I still have a daughter today who was diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome a year and a half ago, right? That, that's, that's part of my real life story. That's part of my real life consequences. The, the blessing today is that I get to embrace that and love myself through it and love her through it and be a strong female role model in, in the life of my daughter who is a fighter and a survivor and forgive myself for that. How did she take it when you went back to rehab or went that, to rehab for the first time for real outside of prison? It was very hard on her. Uh, she was very skeptical. Part of her trauma is that her parents abandoned her several times, right? So I got federally indicted and I was just gone one day. It brought up a lot of trauma for her. However, I've continued to show up and I had the opportunity to tell her I was going to rehab. Hey, I've relapsed. I'm going to rehab, which was huge because what she was used to is me just being gone one day and never coming back. So, you know, we did things differently from the get-go this time. And that's really the whole point here is we're going to mess up. Things are going to happen, right? This is life. This is real life, but we can course correct and, and get back on the, get back on. Right. And, and that's the opportunity. And that's, that's the, the real message is when you fall, you get back up again, you know? Um, yeah. So she, my relationship with my daughter today is profound. <laughs> it's profound. She's an amazing human being. Don't you feel lucky with how screwed up everything is? Like there's so much, uh, I think, joy that I see in you right now. <laughs> I am the most fortunate person I know. Uh, because of my story and all of the, the challenges and adversities, uh, I just feel so fortunate. I feel fortunate to be able to be living today 
to be a healthy human being, to have my daughter in my life, to be able to share my story, to go stand on a TEDx stage and talk about things that people don't talk about, right? I, I got to do that a few weeks ago. And there's just nothing, no greater gift from God than to be able to come out on the other side and say, hey, there's hope, man. There's hope. Do not give up. Do not give up. You're abundantly worthy, right? That's what I, t I teach career readiness classes for Dress for Success. And these women live in halfway houses and they are, they are struggling in a time of their life when no one is there to tell them, I believe in you. There is everybody there to tell them you've messed up before and you're going to mess up again. That's, that's the culture and that's the, the belief. And I get, get to go in and I get to spend time with these women and, and share with them, hey, I believe in you. You can do this. I've done it and you can do this too. And you are abundantly worthy and you're amazing. The grit and determination that it takes to make it through your life from here to here, to make it through halfway houses and to have your children struggle like all of these things, right? And it's just the most it's the most profoundly great feeling that I get to experience to watch their faces, you know, when they when the, the veil is like, wait a second, right? I am abundantly worthy. I do deserve a better life, right? I'm gonna reach a little bit higher. I'm gonna make a different choice, right? Because I am worth it. It makes every day, it, you know, that's why I get my get up and, and go in the morning. That's why. You know, there's a bit of the mirror, you know, the reflection in the mirror syndrome too. It's you're doing this for them, but you're also getting, I think, um, sort of a, an, an affirmation that you are also on the right track. And through that, you both, si both sides bring each other strength and help elevate each other. Cause they're looking at you going, she did it. Holy shit. You know, <laughs> and you're looking at them going, you can do this. <laughs> and so it's really powerful. I mean, I think there's a, a huge message in here too, about the power of giving back, especially to communities or demographics that have been afflicted with this, the things that we have struggled with. The, the greatest thing that has changed my life is serving, just serving other people. How can I make, how can I make someone else's day better? How can I make them feel abundantly worthy? How can I give, how can I get, here's the real deal, Nicole, how can I get outside of myself? Because as an, as an addict, I'm inherently selfish and it's very easy for me to slip into that space of me, 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 me. It's all about me. How do I feel? How do make you make me feel? I don't have enough. The real deal is this. I am so abundantly blessed, right? But I have to, I have to intentionally focus on the gratitude. I have to intentionally focus on how can I get outside of myself and serve today and all the amazing things that are in my life because I have focused on the negative in the past before. And that's what took me down the, the rabbit hole to relapse. Cause I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've been give, uh, I feel like I've won the lottery and here's what the lottery is. The lottery is wisdom. And I don't know, there's something that happened. I turned 43 this week and there's something that happened in the age of 42 and 42 was the magic number for me because that's the year that I learned how to love myself. That's the year that I learned how to, truly give from a space of um, 
just uh, uh, that, that authentic, how can I serve you space without hoping for something in return. Um, that's the year that everything changed. And I think it's something in our forties, right? But I just, I, I can tell you that, um, that that wisdom is a gift. That wisdom is a gift. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> You're gorgeous. You're gorgeous. It's, uh, it's interesting to celebrate birthdays and holidays without doing the things that other people often, you know, uh, use during birthdays and holidays like drugs and alcohol. You find other ways to uh, celebrate yourself, right? Or I didn't want to celebrate me. I want to go. I wanted to go. Who can I, you know, who can I serve on my birthday? Who can I love I- it my birthday, right? Because here's what I've learned. The more that I focus on other people and helping them and loving them and serving them, showing them unconditional love, I wake up every day and I'm taking care of baby. Like I'm fine. You know, it, the more that I, that I, here's how, you know, I, I used to, I used to pray it. I used to pray at night. I'll go, I'll circle back a year and a half ago, right? And I'd pray at night and I'm like, God, will you do this for me? And God, do this for me. And God, will you take care of this? And God, this, and God, this, and you know, and God, all of this, right? And I can tell you that when my prayers changed to how can I serve, who can I show unconditional love to today? And I stopped praying for myself. It just transformed everything else. You know, it just, I'm taking care of it. I don't have to, I don't have to pray for myself. How can I help other people? And God shows me every day how I can help other people. And I, I try and go do it. Well, we're going to, we're going to start talking about some of those things here. I actually want to start. I want to talk a little bit about this incredible TEDx experience you had. Um, How interesting that you were applying to do a talk. It wasn't the same talk. The talk changed a year later. Um, while you were being wheeled through the airport, unable to walk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a talk that wasn't comparatively not that great a year and a half ago that I was submitting and I was so focused on it and what it turned into was what I was supposed to be talking about. The real message, right. Without the mask, without the mask. That is so incredible. You mentioned, um, too, and I actually, I'm sure people are wondering, like, you said you ravaged your body in six days, right? You had your first hit or whatever you call it when you do meth, and six days later, you couldn't even walk. Like, what kind of physical effect happens here? Literally, what happened to your body? Like, you literally had no strength? Or were you already deteriorating like physically, muscularly? <laughs> right. No, that's a really good question because that's a lot to, to paint that picture. So, and it's so, as you ask me that question, it makes me emotional, which is just so profound for me because, you know, I still work with these women who are struggling, who have just gotten clean and sober, right? From meth, from IV use. use. And so it, it, it hits my heart, you know, it hits my heart because these are the things that people don't talk about. You know, this is the, the stuff that you don't see on social media, but it's the real deal. And it's a big problem. And it's much bigger than what people know that it is, right? It is. Um, so within six days, um, w- within just a few seconds, I 
I was drinking at, um, at a bar, um, went and got high on meth and within an hour I was, I had a needle in my arm. And so what that does is it, it immediately my brain, you know, tricks my brain into thinking this, you know, euphoric state, um, you're no longer hungry. Um, and then you just don't sleep. And so for six days I didn't drink water. I didn't eat, I didn't sleep. Right. So, um, I just went and went and went and went for six, six solid days because again, I don't know moderation, right? I don't know. All I know is do it and do it big, right? Good or bad. And so that's what happened. So within that, that amount of time, um, I just couldn't, well, I had the day that I went to rehab, I had bruises all up and down, all up and down my arm. So my friends that came and saw me off to rehab, saw my arms like that. Um, you know, I had, I just didn't care. And that's my addiction. That's the disease that lives in my head. I no longer cared about myself or the consequences. It was just, it's super, super dark. It's the, it's the uh, most profound darkness you can imagine in, in the whole world because you know that you're ruining your life and you can't stop. I knew, I knew it would have been a very short amount of time that if I would have kept going, that I would be in trouble with the law. I would have lost everything very quickly, very quickly. And, and you can't stop. So thank God for friends who care. Thank God that you created a community of healthy people to come in and literally rescue you. You couldn't uh, have done this if you were alone in your world of the dark and shady and the people who have that same mindset, you probably wouldn't be sitting here today. I didn't connect these dots until just now, uh, Nicole, but I want to share this with you. I, I just connected these dots. So uh, the women that I called, one of them is the ex-director of Dress for Success, super, you know, big heart there. And the other woman that I called, I met her uh, through a running program that I reached out and got involved with because of Running Start. Kara, we're all connected. You're my sister. You're my soul sister. That's you all know, I can say. So because of, you know, the, it's just so funny how yeah. I'd gotten outside of myself and I created these networks of people and how these women ended up being the, the same people that saved my life. Like those women saved my life because I would not have gone to rehab. No. And even when you got there, you weren't quite buying in. No. You weren't totally believing, but you did it. So there's something to be said. There's a lot of times that people say like, you can't, rehab won't work if the person doesn't want to do it or whatever, you know, and I'm not sure where your head was in that or how, what, what do you think about that statement? It's kind of like a tug of war in your head. I uniquely knew where the road goes. And I've worked so damn hard to get away from it, right? So even though the indignant part of my brain was like, I know everything, I don't belong here. Um, there was still the other part of my brain that was like, well, you don't have a choice, right? It's either, it's either this that you don't want to do, or it's the road that you know where it's going to go and you're going to lose everything. You pick. You pick. And I used to think that my meth addiction or the struggles that I have, because they're, it's a very dramatic story, right? It's a very traumatic addiction. I used to think, God, 
you know, why do I have this severe addiction? Why can't it be like less, you know, less severe and less obnoxious? Well, praise God, I have this severe addiction because it pushes me to a place where I have to make changes or I'm going to die or I'm going to die. You're right. And like part of me is almost laughing because like there is no less severe, like you're going to get there no matter where you are. And it's all relative, you know, it's, this is people who are, I don't know if you're born with it or if you grew into this. Actually, that's a good question. We might've talked about this in our very first episode that we recorded like three years ago. Um, do you think that, that you were predisposed to having this addiction? Oh, hands down, hands down. And, and hundred percent transparency. So is my daughter. Right. So I have to be very careful. The difference between her and me is, um, my parents didn't know any better. Right. So they bought me cigarettes and, uh, my, that was my mom and my stepdad. Um, my step, my, my stepmom, and my dad would never have bought me cigarettes, by the way. Um, but, you know, they didn't know what they didn't know. So I was hiding alcohol in my closet at 16. Um, I know, right? And I know Ansley's predisposition. So, I mean, I'm on it, right? Like we have, com- we're, woof, I'm on it. And that's the difference, right? But yeah, I was absolutely predisposed. My, uh, I come from a long line of people who struggle with addiction. <laughs> alcoholism specifically, not necessarily addiction to the, my level, but again, that's just who I am as a human being. Like we're, we're going to go all the way, baby. So. Yeah. For better or worse. <laughs> better or worse. That's what took me to federal prison. Right. Oh and that's, my God. that's, and that's what took me to the TEDx stage. It's the same, it's the same drive and determination. It's just channeled differently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if you had done your TED talk a year prior and then went through this and what a, not fraud, maybe fraud you would feel, you know what I mean? Like what message you were about to deliver. And then you go through this and you're like, shit, the message just changed. (laughs) Like you said earlier, and I just want to repeat this, like often we think the worst thing that could happen can very well become the best thing that can happen. And so I'm kind of looking at your experience and the path you're on now through that lens. Absolutely. And, and who knows what the future holds, you know, God willing, uh, I'll remain on this path, but you know, I, as long as I continue to, to do the things that I know work and keep me healthy, then yes. Right. But now I have that knowledge and I didn't have that knowledge a year and a half ago, a year and a half ago, I wasn't involved in, in a, in a 12 step program. And the 12 step program was the springboard for lots of change for me, lots of self-development. It was, it was not only that, but the year of 2020 for me has been self-development all the way. And my 12 12 step program is, was the springboard for that. And I'm just so thankful. Well, let's talk about some of the steps that you've taken through this year. So let's, let's actually dig into the TEDx experience here. So you applied, you got accepted. How, what happened next? I took my talk that I poured my heart and soul into and then took it from written form to speaking form and got very clear on what I really wanted to share, what was impactful, what would be helpful. <clears throat> Cause that's what this is about. 
right? That's what this is about is how can I help other women with my story? And that's what I did and practiced and practiced. And then the last three weeks to a month, I lived, ate and breathed that TEDx talk. I mean, I looped it in my car. All I did was practice in my heels. You know, that's, that's all I did was practice so that I could feel confident when I got out on the stage that I'd given it everything that I could to deliver an authentic talk. It was very important to me that I showed up in a uh, feminine, confident way instead of trying to project what I thought was confidence. Will you tell me about what, why, why feminine? Why was that important to you? I had a limiting belief that confidence in men and masculine energy was how was what gave me confidence. I believed that if I, for me to be confident, I had to show up in that way. And it's just not the truth. It is just not what I wanted. It, what I wanted through that process was to show up and be me, not projecting masculine energy, not projecting um, what I believed was confidence, which is where my struggles have been my whole entire life. Well, and I, I really appreciate that too, just having lived in the world of women's empowerment for so many years, you know, we often feel like we need to bring a level of aggression or, you know, just sort of like barrel through the obstacles when, when we're trying to be competitive or make ourselves known, you know? <laughs> And I think it's a real problem. And so I love that you actually phrased it that way. I appreciate that a lot. I think it's really cool. And you know, the, the other thing about your talk is the title. The title is interesting. Why don't you share a little more about it and like how you got to this sort of core message? The core messaging came from <clears throat> me carrying shame over my past and my background. Own Your Unapologetic Realness was birthed, if you will, from that space of me being able to own me, own my past in all of its amazingness, right? Not negative, but beautiful. Not negative, but beautiful in all my feminine way, right? Um, and, and that's been the biggest journey for me over the last year was, was embracing the past and then learning to love every single Kara over the years, right? Not just the Kara of today, right? But the Kara who struggled and relapsed, the Kara who didn't make great choices, the Kara who used drugs when she was pregnant with her daughter, right? Once I learned how to learn to love all of those, those Karas is when things really started to, um, to open up for me over the last year in that feminine space of like feeling comfortable in my own skin, right? It's like, wait a second, none of it was negative. None of it was bad. All of it was perfect, right? All, and God's using all of it, right? Every tiny little thing. Once, once that came full circle for me, it was like, okay, we can do this. I've made no mistakes. Life is great, right? I can just love myself through every minute, no matter what's happening. If I misstep, I... I own it and I move on, right? Extract the good and move on. Nothing is going to hold me back, 
nothing is going to hold me back because I now know that I have limitless potential through this process, through the last year, through those relapse, right? I've always believed what my negative, what my negative uh, self-talk told me. Some people call it paradigms. Some people call it, um, you know, the, the, the inner mean girl, right? Whatever you, the itty bitty shitty committee, whatever you language that as, right? Whatever that language is, it's all the same thing. Whatever it is, I don't listen to it anymore and I'm reprogramming it because it's one, right? It went for many, many years. I believed I was a POS and I believed all these negative things and it's just not true and I'm not doing it anymore. I am not doing it anymore. God damn. <laughs> let's, uh, let's make that the sound bite of our mornings. Um, do you think the TEDx talk was symbolically important to you? Like you needed to get on a stage and declare publicly that you love yourself and we can all love ourselves, flaws included. Hands down. I believe that there's something about my story because it is dramatic, right? It's dramatic. I think there's something about my story and I can use that as the vehicle to say, Hey, I, I can love myself. And these are the things that I've done. Right. And you can too. Right. It's not all of those things. All of those parts of our stories make us beautiful. They make us who we are. And instead of pretending like they didn't happen, pushing them down, carrying around in shame, right. Um, being embarrassed. Of, I'm so tired of being embarrassed. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing anymore. I am amazing, abundantly worthy. And so are you, no matter what is in your past, no matter what has happened, right? No matter what. And that's the message. That's the message. So yes, absolutely. I had to go through that. I cannot wait to share how people can work with you here, which we're about to get to. Um, before I do, there's a link to the TEDx talk in the show notes. You must all check it out. Kara, you are one of the most charismatic, powerful, impactful speakers and natural, authentically natural speakers that I have ever known. I knew it the first time I ever saw you deliver a few paragraphs to some group. I don't even know what it was or when it was. And I thought that woman was meant for a stage. She was meant to deliver messages. She was meant to inspire. So I think um, your, your talk was incredible. It really showcases your depths and, you know, the heights of Kara and, and just your potential. And uh, I want you to keep pushing your speaking forward. I think if anybody here is listening and needs a speaker to help do general inspiration or an area of your specialty, oh my gosh, they need to contact you right now. So you know what I'll do is I'll put a way to contact you in the show notes as well. Does that sound good? That sounds great. Awesome. Yeah. So let's also continue the path forward. So TED Talk done. You have now started to open yourself up to potential new career opportunities that are all about serving, right? Absolutely. So was, am I correct that your, your previous job that was a more structured job was the one that had you working from home that kind of led to this sort of downward spiral? Not that it's the job's fault, but that you weren't 
maybe didn't have the tools to be able to live that kind of lifestyle. Right. But so, so after that, maybe you can share a little bit about like, how did that job end or evolve? I don't know if you're still doing it. And then what are you doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Love to share about that. So I left that job exactly a year ago now and it, it was an opportunity for, for me to figure out, you know, what is next for me? And then COVID happened. <laughs> COVID happened. Right. And all locked down. And I went through a period uh, very reminiscent of what it felt like when I relapsed. Um, I was isolated and lonely and struggling emotionally. Right. And, and I've seen that dark hole before. And I've told you, we're not going back there right? We're not going back there. So I started to figure out what would make me successful and got very committed to a routine. And so I, I now know what it looks like when it works. Right. And so for me, um, I'm, I have figured out what keeps me in that, I'll use the word beautiful state, uh, what keeps me in that beautiful state all day long. And it requires a specific strategy and it requires me to do certain things. I get up at a certain time every day. I do visioning. I do affirmations. Um, I do prayers. The first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I run because it gets my, uh, gets everything going and I'm able to connect to the earth and pray and can, and do all these things that I never would have done a year ago. Or uh, gosh, I not even that long ago. Right. Uh, because those are the things that have breathed life into me and I hold on to it dearly. And I would have never have gotten up early before. I've always been the kind of person that was like, I want to sleep later. I want to take it, you know, I want to leisurely show up when I want to. And especially through COVID, why not? It's the perfect time. But the more that I gave into those feelings of, of um, what feels good in the moment, the shittier I felt. And so I've learned that discipline and doing the things that I don't want to do, right? Eating the, eating the, the, the way that I need to be eating, a health, uh, an eating plan that I've committed to, getting up early, right? All of these things have created success in my life and, and make it to where I'm able to live my dream, which is pursue the, the business that I'm doing uh, of serving and loving and giving. And I'm in a place where I can do that, right? Emotionally. I'm not giving from an empty cup because we, we know people who do that, right? So we know people who are in these positions and then they're giving from an empty cup. And if you have any level of intuition, you can feel it. You're like, oh, homegirls, you know, she's struggling. She's empty. She's, we can feel that stuff, right? So because I'm doing this stuff on the back end, it's filling me up so that I can go and fill other people up and love them and show them that unconditional love and help them, right? Um, and that's the answer for me. And so I've, I've held on to that. The other key thing that I learned in the last year was, and I mentioned it a few moments ago about my thoughts, right? Our thoughts, man. And we, we, we've seen the, the quotes that say, you know, change your thoughts, change your life, you know, all of these cute quippy things. And it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, what does that even mean? That shit's for real. <laughs> like, like it is for real, for real. Right. I now know what those quotes mean. And it means don't listen to the negative stuff. So when that, that negative thinking comes in, well, you're not good enough. You shouldn't apply for, to do that. Right. When those thoughts come up, I'm like, no, I am abundantly worthy and I'm reprogramming my subconscious brain. And a lot of the stuff that I'm doing in my day to day comes from training that I received over the summer. So I'm a NLP certified coach. And what uh, NLP stands for is neuro linguistic programming. 
And the reason why it jazzes me out is because it, it's, a, it's a brain hack, right? It's a way to bypass all of the years of whatever our limiting beliefs are, whatever those struggles are. I was on a stage in January. This is why I'm such a big NLP fan. I was on a stage in January bawling. This guy pulls me on the stage and um, let me back up. So he asks the 200 people, he says, tell me about your perfect day. What's your perfect day look like? You know, write it out. And I start bawling because I'm like, I don't know what my perfect day is. I don't have a dream. I don't know that I'm worthy of dreaming. Right. And I'm just sobbing, sobbing. And he's, he's looking for somebody to pull on the stage so that he can, you know, do an NLP process on them. And I raise my hand and my hand's just shaking. And he asks me a few questions and he's like, get on the stage right now. And he did this process on me and it lasted maybe 20 minutes. Uh, it's online if you ever want to, if you ever want to see it. So he, he does this NLP process on me. And from that moment forward, it was, everything changed. And I realized what happens when you communicate with your subconscious brain. I'd been through years and years and years and years of regular kinds of therapy, right? Regular talk therapy. And you're dealing with um, your rational brain, right? Which is only 10% of, of your brain. 90% of your brain is your subconscious brain. I'm going to say it again. 90% of your brain is your subconscious brain. Everything that we do is run on patterns and programs from when we were young. And my patterns and programs when I was young weren't healthy, right? I'm a POS. I'm not good enough. I'm, you know, all of this language that told me my subconscious brain, you're not good enough. And so I manifested that and continued to live that way for decades of my life until I realized in January that I had been living this, this out. My subconscious brain was running the show. Fuck you. No. And I have the, and I have the keys and the skills and the abilities to change that? Yes. Table for two, please. And so I've, that's how I started on this uh, journey with NLP. I became an NLP certified coach. Uh, it's something I'm very passionate about because I believe that uh, as women, if we can just do two things, if we can love ourselves more and change our self-image, right, through, through reprogramming our subconscious brain. And these processes take, you know, half an hour, an hour, very, very small amounts of time to have dramatic increases in results in our lives. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I want that. And I can't tell you the dramatic results. I can tell you, I can tell you the dramatic results that I've had in the last year in my life as a result of, of doing these things and practicing, uh, practicing this way and implementing this discipline, I guess, in my life, those things that are, that are taking me where I want to go. And I feel, I feel like a, a human being that I've never been in my life. So people say, well, I just want to get back to who I was. I don't know who I was. I don't know who that person was, but what I can tell you is who I am today. And I can tell you for the first time in my life, I'm 43 years old, Nicole DeBoom. And today is the, now is the first time in my life that I can tell you that I feel comfortable in my skin. I'm signing up for a session. <laughs> well, we're, we're offering free sessions actually through the month of December. I'll send, yeah, I'll send you the link. Really? That's yeah. insane. Yes. Oh my I'm gosh. Be ready to get like besieged by requests here. Oh my God. That's incredible. I'm, I'm, part, 
I'm part of an NLP collective of coaches and uh, we're offering free sessions through the month of December. Number one, because it's a gift, right? And people don't know about it. People don't know a lot about NLP, but a quick Google search and you'll figure out what it is. Um, but it's just so transformational. And the best way that you can show people how transformational it is, is by giving them a free session. And so that's what we're doing. Kara, you are like a 12 step program. And in fact, you have your own little cult. So if we want to go back and say, you know, call it what it is, maybe it is a cult, but who freaking cares because it works. I noticed not too long ago on Facebook, and this is something I bring up because I want to share with people ways that they can connect with you. I noticed on Facebook, you were like, you guys, I need some accountability. I got to get up early. I need some people to do it with. I've learned about myself that if I include other people in my journey in a positive way, only the greatest things will happen. And I was looking down. I'm like, oh my God, all these people are going to get up at 4.30 in the morning with Kara. (laughs) I mean, holy crap, that's insane and incredible. And I mean, I'm, uh, Hey, can people still join that little morning wake up cult? <laughs> so I, I actually ended up, uh, I'm part of a development group and inside of that development group, I've been running this thing to answer your question. No. <laughs> oh, sorry, everyone. Sorry to tease that. I knew, I knew that that wasn't going to go the, in that direction, but that's a right now thing. So maybe as things develop, you never know how things are going to develop, right? You never know. Yeah. Um, so committed to this lifestyle and this way of living that who knows what's going to happen in the future. Like I would, I love sharing how helpful it's been for me because I wished I would have had the tools sooner. Right. Um, like, and that's all they're, they are. They're just tools. And if we share them with one another, it's like the, the tools to success. Yes. I want to feel better. Right. I want to love myself more. Yes. Table for two, please. (laughs) Carol, what a blast. Um, I want to hang out with you all day, every day. Maybe someday they'll just be the reality show. Kara, Kara Burns Unlimited. Actually, this is your new business, isn't it? Yes. 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 So this is the business that I started through COVID and was able to get more clear on it throughout the last several months of, of what I'm offering and um, been very in, involved with uh, business mastermind groups because I don't know how to run a business, right? So I just go, I go put myself in contact with people who can help me. And that just seems to be the, the way I run my life. And so uh, I'm doing a lot of business stuff these days, but yes, Care Burns Unlimited. Uh, it's how to contact me for speaking as well as uh, schedule for NLP uh, uh, sessions. And I'm super, it took a while to get that website up, which I'm super grateful for. I'm just so grateful. You know, when you've been like hoping and wishing or just working on something for so long and it finally gets up and you're like, yes, yes. And it's not perfect, right? It's not exactly you know, what I want, but God dang it, it's up. Right. And I'm like, yes, we've done it. Right. And that's, so that's the space that I'm at with the website. I'm like, holy cow, you know, ah." I know exactly what you feel like. Cause often you want to like almost apologize. You're like, it's up, but it's not exactly how I want it. And I wish I could do this and that. I used to live that way with skirt sports all the time. It'd be like, oh my God, the new stuff is out. But this one print isn't quite what in the color and the fit and that it, I forget it. No yep. one knows what they don't know. They only know what they're seeing. And, um, and I think it's incredible to have a hub and a home for all the things that will be. 
in your world and because you are unlimited, Kara. You really are. And I think the great thing about you is that you inspire all of us to feel the same. Wow. We're going to end this on a love note. Actually, we're going to end it on a nugget. I don't know if you remember, but we just we've rolled on. People know how to connect with you. They want more of you. They're going to they're going to reach out. So let's leave them with one final thing. One final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way. The nugget would be this. You are abundantly worthy and you have a limitless potential. Please give yourself a big ass hug right now. Kiss your arm. I'm not wherever you are right now. If you are running, if you are in your car, I don't care where you are at. You stop right now and you kiss yourself. I love my, just, I love you. Right. And just tell yourself, I love you. Right. Because we are amazing, amazing, amazing creatures barely understanding how much power we have inside of us. Right. We are amazing women, amazing freaking women. Mwah. Love you, Kara till next time. All right, you guys, I am back. It's a wrap. Kara, I love you. <laughs> I love you with all my heart. You are one of my soul sisters and I feel your pain. And I also believe that this journey is really important for you. And I believe that you have to go through these things right now in your life. You had to go through the things you've been through and you're going to have to go through whatever comes next in order to keep growing and in order to help others. And I know that's what you truly want in life. My favorite quote today, I feel like I won the lottery and here's what the lottery is. The lottery is wisdom. Well, I feel wiser after this episode. I hope all of you do too. Hey, everyone, you know, I've been uh, gaining courage and confidence myself to share some of the more vulnerable parts of my life. Um, like Shara, Shara, like Shara, like Kara, I Shara an addiction um, to alcohol. And I recently wrote a little tidbit about my alcohol journey um, and sent it to everybody who signed up for my emails. So make sure you get over to nicoldeboom.com and sign up for my newsletter because I'm in the mood to share. Maybe that's what it is to live and, and breathe in the in-between. It's about opening up the doorways for whatever that awesome thing that's going to come next for that direction that I seem to be starting to feel the need for starts to show itself. So definitely head over to nicoldeboom.com. You can check out the show notes for Kara as well. So much to see there. If you want a free NLP reading, there's links in the show notes. Get signed up. I don't know why you wouldn't. I'm doing it. I'm excited. Um, and that's it. That's it for today, everybody. I mean, hey, it's the holidays. <laughs> Let's go out there and spread some joy. If you found any joy, if you found any positivity in this episode, which I know you did, please make sure that you share it. You're definitely going to help others as well. All right, everybody, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there, run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.